0: For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which is lost. That's the heart of our king. That is is the heart of the king. This attitude of Jesus towards us, his people, his children. And this is the attitude that we should have as his people. That the Son of Man came to seek and save that which is lost. And so we must in humility go out into seek and save that which is lost by introducing them to this king.
1: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Salty Pastor podcast, a podcast designed to coach you up in your faith. The more, you know, the more you can grow. Mm. You live in a world that is more confusing than ever before. You live in a nation where there is no longer a unified belief system that binds us together as a people. The only way you can navigate a world like that is to know what you believe and why you believe it. Our goal is to give you the tools, the facts, and the perspective to think for yourself. You're going to hear things on this podcast that you're not going to hear anywhere else, so give yourself the best grift ever this Christmas and become a regular listener of the Salty Pastor Podcast. My name is Jesse Mayer. I'll be your host, and we cannot do this without the one, the only, the Salty Pastor himself, Dr. Douglas Peak.
0: Well, Merry Christmas, everyone. It's uh, December 19th, and it's a Tuesday before uh, Christmas. It's just six days away, so I hope that uh, you are walking in the fullness of celebrating the birth of Christ. And the beautiful thing about celebrating the birth of Jesus is that it really makes the whole Christmas season richer. Mm. I know a lot of people struggle with like depression or loneliness or isolation. They have a lot of feelings, a lot of feelings of loss, a lot of feelings of grief, uh, people that have lost loved ones and have to go through the first Christmas all alone and. Uh, We always call that first year after you lose a spouse or a child, we call it the year of firsts. You know, it's a first anniversary, first birthday party, first 4th of July, first Christmas, where you do it all by yourself. And so with all these challenges and all these tragedies and all these difficulties, it's really easy to let the emotions of the season overwhelm you. And that's the beauty of celebrating the birth of Christ, is that you're celebrating an event that is outside of you, and it's so much bigger than you. And so it transcends your emotional state. When you celebrate something of this magnitude, you're simply saying is that this is something that's bigger and more important than I will ever be it's about jesus christ the king of kings and the lord of lords it's about uh a new kingdom that has come into this world and so the simple admonition is it doesn't matter how you feel when you're celebrating the greatest gift that humanity has ever received and so i just want to encourage you to walk in the fullness of what christ has done and allow his victory allow his gift to overwhelm and, and inspire and soothe and give you victory over anything that you're facing this Christmas. Because his birthday and his incarnation, his kingdom that he brought is the greatest thing ever. So regardless of what we feel or experience, one of the best things we can do is celebrate something of this magnitude. And that always, always brings joy.
1: Absolutely. Um, we're focusing on the birth of Jesus and how his birth ushered in a new kingdom in this series, a kingdom that challenged the old kingdom, the kingdom of this world. The world today is just as complicated, just as troubled as it was 2,000 years ago, and Jesus is still the answer yesterday, today, and forever. The more you know about the kingdom you've been invited to live in, the more you can understand what his kingdom is doing here on earth, and the stronger your faith is going to become.
0: Yeah, the birth of Jesus is really, as I just said, a birth of a new Kingdom and that kingdom is active and present and growing here on earth. And I hope that as we've studied this truth, you've come to a deeper understanding of the new kingdom that Jesus brought to earth when he was born and how it impacts your life and impacts the world. You know, I want to point out two really foundational principles about the kingdom that Jesus brought. We call these uh, pillars, they're like uh, you know, big, huge foundational stones on which following Jesus is built. You know, our faith, what we believe is built on these truths. And these are very important truths. The first one is this, is that the nature of Jesus Christ. And so this truth asks the basic questions, who is Jesus uh, when he was born? Right? How how is he any different than any other person that was ever born? And so this is a question of the nature of Jesus and Christianity builds its entire belief system on answering this question. This is the nature of Jesus, his essence, who he is in, uh, in the, the totality and fullness of who He is. And we'll talk about that in more detail in just a second. I, I want to give you just kind of a an overview. And the second major truth is this, is that since He's brought in a new kingdom and we get to choose which kingdom we live in, how much can He, as the King of this kingdom, be trusted? Mm. Uh, when you think about it, the very nature of the new kingdom has trust at its core. It's built on trust because you're not forced into it. You have to willingly surrender yourself and go into it, right? right. And that that's definitely a trust thing. It's a it's a willing surrender type of thing. The the the, the kingdom of Jesus here on earth is not a we're going to conquer you through force or a coercion kingdom and Throughout history, we call this the doctrine of non-coercion when it comes to the kingdom of God. So, therefore, if the kingdom of Jesus only grows through this willing surrender to his, his kingship in your life, the most important question you should ask is, is he trustworthy? Is he actually who he says he is? Did he do what he said he would do what he came to accomplish here on earth. What is he doing right now? I mean, is he active now? Is, is he alive and working now or did he die and raise from the dead and go off to heaven and is kind of forgotten about us? You know, is, is he active in your life today? And if so, how do you know that? How can you believe Mm -hmm. that? How can you trust that? See, it all revolves around this notion of trust. In that the, the whole kingdom of Jesus Christ and its work in your life is built on this trust. Do you trust who he is? Do you trust that when you believe in him, it makes a difference? Does your faith right, actually uh, uh, bring about this relationship where the power of the Holy Spirit is now indwelling inside of you? See, that's all an issue of trust. Do you trust what he said? Do you trust who he is? And do you trust that he will do what he said he would
1: do? Yeah, I think really understanding that this isn't just a conquering king that's showing up that you can't believe in, right? Like Mm -hmm. you have to know that this king that showed up has been chasing after you for thousands of years, right? That he wants what's best for you, that he is someone you can trust in. And he didn't come in. With an army to create his new kingdom, right? (laughs) He came humbly in a manger Mm -hmm. to establish his new kingdom. So that also builds trust. It's not a show of force. It's not this big, you have to submit to me thing. It's Mm. this non-coercion thing uh, where he said, you have the option. I can be Mm -hmm. your king or not. I'm not going to make you though, right?
0: Yeah. I'm not going to force you to do it.
1: And so... Let's talk. In, uh, let's really dig into the Bible and see what it teaches about the the foundational stone or rock of our faith. Who exactly is Jesus when he is born?
0: That that is addressed by Paul in two passages of Scripture. They're called Christologies, and okay. we've talked about them here before. And what they are are statements of the nature of Jesus, mm. and uh, they have driven the church for over two thousand years. Basically, meaning it's what's kept people. Experience Jesus for the first time over and over and over again. And, and this is one of the ways that we know Christ is still active today it is because of who he is and who is he? Philippians chapter two. This was a letter that Paul wrote to the church in Philippi and he talks in verse five that he says, look, I want you to have an attitude. If you're going to walk in the kingdom of God. You need to have a certain attitude, and that attitude is the same one exemplified by Jesus. Okay? okay? So he says, have this same attitude in yourself, which was also in Christ Jesus. So this is verse 5, chapter 2 in his letter to the Philippians. Who, as he already existed in the form of God, did not re- consider equality with God something to be grasped or, uh, held on to, but he emptied himself by taking the form of a bond servant and being born in the likeness of men and being found in appearance as a man. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. So the picture in this passage of scripture is very clear. Jesus was much more than just a person or man who was born, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, Just more than a baby. These verses say that Jesus was in existence before he was born, right? And he was in the same essence, uh, as God in the same form as God, the father. It says he then let go of that, which is an act of humility. And he took the form of a human being. So it says he emptied himself and was born in the likeness of men. Then it says that the life he lived on earth was not a life, you know, and this is what I think is he goes, when he says he was found in appearance as a man, and then he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death. So the life he lived on earth was not a life of royalty or privilege or comfort, but one of humility and struggle, suffering and pain. He, he went through all of these experiences I was listening to a preacher talk about trying to answer the question just recently. He says, why did Jesus start his ministry when he was around 30 and then he was crucified in his mid thirties? You know, I mean, if you think about it, if the whole point was just, well, you know, Jesus needs to die on the cross for our sins and God will raise him from the dead. I mean, in essence, he could have said, well, you know, God, I'll, you know, I'll go down on a Friday be crucified and I'll be back by Sunday night, you know, kind right. of a thing. That's pretty quick and would that fulfill the the requirements of the law or the the deeper essence of of how Satan had established his kingdom and it, would it break the power of sin and death over human beings? Well, he said, the reason why is because Jesus had to go through every single phase that a human being goes through and remain sinless. Mm. So, you know, Jesus went through puberty, right? And during that time, he remained sinless. Jesus went through the discipline of a father and the discipline of a mother. And he he went through the the, uh, conflicts with siblings. He went through all of these phases, right? And in his life. And what he did is he never sinned. So he was sinless. And the reason why is because then when he was crucified, his sacrifice was pure and righteous. Okay. Now, how could he do that? Well, because before, uh, unlike every other living soul, he was preeminent. He was pre in existence before he was born. And so the point of Paul writing this was to show you and me that we should have the same attitude and uh, that an attitude is kind of like your orientation towards the world. It's your frame of reference. It's your, it's your, you know, worldview. Mm-hmm. It's all of these things. So that, that's really important. And then he, he addresses it even more so in Colossians chapter one in his letter to them. And then he expands. So let me give you a deeper picture of who was Jesus and who is he now? It says, now God uh, rescued us from the domain of darkness. This is verse 13 of chapter 1 of the letter to the Colossians. Now God rescued us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son in whom we have redemption. So what have we been saying? There's two kingdoms, and we're in the kingdom of this world, and then it says God transfers us, isn't that interesting, to the kingdom of his beloved Son, whom we have redemption. So our transfer papers came because of Jesus Christ and what he did for the forgiveness of sins. And then verse 15, look at what he says. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him, all things were created, both in the heavens and on the earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions, rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. Now, that's really interesting, isn't it? This talks about the preeminence of Jesus. He was in existence. He created all things. All things were created through him and all things were created for him verse 17, he is before all things and in him all things hold together. He is also the head of the body, the church, and he is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, so that he himself will come to have first place in everything. For it was the father's good pleasure for all the fullness. Now, this is really interesting because this word fullness is a term used for deity. Okay. It's it's not like I'm full because I ate too many pieces of pizza. It's The fullness, meaning the entirety of every concept and idea that we have about who God is. He goes, it was a good, the Father's good pleasure for all the fullness to dwell in him and through him to reconcile all things to himself, whether things on earth or things in heaven, having made peace through the blood of his cross. And although you were previously alienated and hostile in attitude, engaged in evil deeds, yet he has now reconciled you in his body of flesh through death in order to present you before God, holy and blameless and without reproach. Now, see, I love this phraseology. And now you see this is why he had to live those many years and then his flesh had to be crucified on the cross. Okay? this passage reinforces everything in the Philippian passage and then expands on how uh, he was in existence before coming to earth and he is uh, welded together, uh, if I can use that word, with what he accomplished on the earth. So his pre-existence and his empty himself was directly welded with what he accomplished here on earth through his death that reconciled us back to God. Since all things were created through him and for him, he has the absolute authority over all things, both in heaven and on earth. See, so it's really interesting is that the kingdom was birthed by Jesus when he was birthed and then all the power and authority of the kingdom and its presence here on earth, as it already is in heaven, right, was established through the death and re- on the cross and his resurrection from the dead. So that's really important. This makes him, therefore, if you pull all this together, he is the perfect king. He is the perfect king in the kingdom of God. Uh, he came into this world, and in humility, he established the kingdom of God in justice and righteousness and power and authority. And the whole world now is slowly falling under the influence of the kingdom of God. And there will come a point where not all of it will, because you read in the book of Revelation that there were some you know, stalwart holdouts that want to live in rebellion to this. And then Jesus will come back, but this time he will come back in glory and there won't be any question. So all of these Christologies really show us, wow, is he a King that we can trust or not? Well, this is the kind of King he is and where he came from. And this is really important when understanding the value and power of the kingdom of Jesus.
1: Yeah. I think. It, it, it sheds some light, but can also be a little confusing, right? Like yes. you start getting into this preeminence of like, well, he existed beforehand and God's plan was always that this was all made for him so that he could do this, right? Like you mm-hmm. start getting into these things that make your head spin a little bit, but <laughs> yes, that's part They're of the very re- abstract. Yeah. And that's part of the reason why, I mean, we're not, we can do our best to understand, but ultimately it's also, some of it's just. God stuff where it's like he lives outside of our existence. So trying to wrap our heads around a concept that mm-hmm. only really he can understand. Sometimes I think you can just start spinning on it. But what I, what I think is most important is he came and the plan was always that he was going to, if we made these choices, we did, he was always going to come and save us. Right. Mm-hmm. And so the world is fashioned in a way he came to us in a way that he could humbly be born in a manger but still be the glorious king that he was always meant to be. Yeah. He started this new kingdom and he didn't come here to just blow it all up, right? He didn't he didn't come and and just destroy everybody, right? Yeah. We didn't see yeah. another flood. God said he'd never flood again, right? And so it's mm-hmm. like he didn't do that. He keeps he said, his promises. But he said, No, instead I have another plan. And the plan is I'm gonna send you something mm-hmm. soft and peaceful, right? <laughs> yes. And 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 that came as Jesus. And he he is ultimately lives out a life and i love that section where you talked about like well why did he have to do you know 33 years of life before yeah. he went through with the final plan right and it's like yeah he could have just like popped down pop back up right <laughs> but it's like he had to experience life which is also a reason why we can trust him right and i think mm-hmm. that's one of the most important things is he could have just been well i'm god I'm coming down party for 3 days leave yeah. but it's like he doesn't he wouldn't have Experience that's right. What we experience, and so it's like a king who's really disconnected from his people, or even sometimes, you know, yeah. I would I would say some of our government officials who aren't kings are also disconnected from <laughs> yes. the average person's <laughs> yes. experience at this point. I don't that think you have true. to be a king to do that. Yes, but I think when you get so far removed from the things that you are over, like it mm-hmm. could be really hard and. Instead, he said, no, I want to experience what you're experiencing so that you know you can trust me. I went through the same things you did. I had the same experiences um, relatively that you did, right? And so I think that's so important that we know that we can trust him because he did choose. Even though he had the option, he was preeminent. He had all the power, but he said, no, I will set it all aside. You know, I'll empty a portion of myself out and and go live the same life that you guys have Mm -hmm. so that you know that I am a trustworthy king. Mm -hmm. And I think that's so, so important. Well,
0: he is. He's a king that you can trust. Um, And we, you know, not because of what he's done, which is a great foundation for trust, but we can also trust what he did in order to give us a future in this new kingdom. And then we can also trust where he's going, right? Right. Where, where this new kingdom is going and the future plans. Yeah. If you look back at the, what he did for this kingdom in Isaiah chapter 53 verse two, he, you know, the prophet prophesies about what Jesus will do. And it just gives you, like you said, by experiencing life, you know, he, he has a totally different vibe as our King, right? He wasn't born in a well, castle. And, and and I think we, and you look at most other
1: religions that they, you know, those people all are beyond our reach, right? Like the, yeah, that they're, they worship, yeah they're, they're
0: very unique, yes. <laughs> but it says this, you know, he, he grew up before him, like a tender shoot, like a root out of dry ground. He has no stately form or majesty that we should look at him. So he wasn't born famous. He wasn't born, you know, to be honored off the bat. It says he was despised and abandoned by men. He was a man of great pain and familiar with sickness. And like one from whom people hide their faces, he was despised and we had no regard for him. However, it was our sickness that he himself bore and our pains that he carried. Yet we ourselves assumed that he had been afflicted, struck down by God and humiliated. But he was pierced for our offenses. He was crushed for our wrongdoings and the punishment for our well-being was laid upon him and by his wounds, we are healed and all of us like sheep have gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way, but the Lord has caused the wrongdoing of us all to fall on him. Don't you just love that is that Mm. that that's a different heart of a king, right? He wasn't a poser. He wasn't faking, but he came down. He was acquainted of pain, familiar with sickness, uh, people rejected him. He's familiar with all that. So we can relate to him and he can relate to us in John chapter three. You know, the most famous verse in, in the Bible is John three sixteen, right? Mm-hmm. What, but oftentimes people don't read the verses right before it or right after it. So let me read, start with verse th- 13. Jesus is talking to Nicodemus, and he says, No one has ascended into heaven except he who descended from heaven, the Son of Man. Isn't that interesting? Mm -hmm. He's saying, I am the Son of Man, and I've descended from heaven. He goes, And just as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, so that everyone who believes will have eternal life in him. Because God loved the world so much that he gave his only son so that everyone who believes in him would not perish, but have eternal life. God didn't send his son into the world to judge it, but that the world might be saved through him, you know? And then you go on, you read in the story of Zacchaeus, you know, he was a tax collector despised by the people of Israel. And Jesus had dinner with him and went into his home and and he becomes a follower of Christ and... At the very end of the story, Jesus says to Zacchaeus, today salvation has come to this house because he too is a son of Abraham. For the son of man has come to seek and to save that which is lost. That's the heart of our king. That is the heart of the king. This attitude of Jesus towards us, his people, his children, and this is the attitude that we should have as his people, that the Son of Man came to seek and save that which is lost. And so we must in humility go out into seek and save that which is lost by introducing them to this king. So the, the, that's why, you know, if, if you're struggling this Christmas with, with uh, depression or, your, or anxiety or isolation or loneliness or grief, the best thing in the world to do, the, the cure for that that helps you overcome that. At some level, is to go and say, "I will introduce people to Christ." You know, I'm going to invite people to come to meet the King because the Son of Man has come to seek and save that which is lost. He's come to seek and save me, and He is in the process of healing me and making me whole, even though I'm dealing with these difficult things right now in the season. You might think to yourself, "But the the one of the ways that He wants to heal you is to have you participate." and be a part of his kingdom expansion. Mm. And and so that's why celebrating Christmas can transcend your emotional response to it. And we can find power and strength in there. The heart of our King is humble. The heart of our King is loving. The heart of our King is, is trying to save that which is lost.
1: Yeah. I think ultimately we see so much in, in, in the scriptures, what his heart really is for us, right? Like Mm -hmm. how often he went to, he never went to the, the, um, the rich and famous, basically he could have gone up to all of these rich and famous people and been like, Hey, you know what? I'm the Messiah. Let me stay in your house. I don't want to be hungry. I don't want to be cold. I don't want to deal with this stuff. I just need to like kind of wait my time out till the time happens. Right. Mm -hmm. But no, instead he was constantly with prostitutes or tax collectors or all of these people that really needed him. Right. He chose to be down in the dirt doing the work, not because he was too good for it, but because those were the people that needed him. Right. Yes. He wanted to, we see that over and over and over and over yes. again in his ministry, that those were the people he came for. And ultimately those are the people we are, right? Like mm-hmm. whether, you know, we are tax collectors or not, we have the same amount of sins and the same things that they went through. And he says, I'm here for you all, right? Yeah, I'm here to save And you I'm all. here mm-hmm. to spend, he's like, I'm not above this. I am above this, but I'm choosing to be at the same level as you guys mm-hmm. are. And I'm going to spend my time reaching those who need me the most
0: and yeah and he is a king that you can trust his heart is for you it's not against you but he's also honest about who you are and where you're at and Mm. that's why it's an issue of trust and that is is he loves me he's come to save me but he diagnoses my problem right and a lot of people don't like the diagnosis yeah they love the love
1: part yeah The, the diagnosis and hey We got to work on some stuff. Yeah. That's the part that is harder, but if you trust him, if you really trust him, right, then that's when that real big healing can come. But if you're, if you're only in it for the, I want to feel good about myself or I only want the love part, then that's. You're still in the wrong kingdom, still in the wrong kingdom. So I'm sure we're going to talk more about that on the next episode. Thank you so much pastor for, um, sharing all this with us, uh, all of you listeners, thank you for joining us throughout this year. We're really excited for our Christmas Eve services. Um, if you're listening to this, the week of Christmas, we there's still space for you here at Foothills, um, either online or on campus, for our multiple christmas eve services head over to foothills.org slash christmas to check those all out but it's at 11 1 2 45 and 4 30 if you want to be on campus and then some online premieres at 7 9 and midnight if you want to just do the online option so thank you guys so much for joining us and we'll see you on thursday here on the salty pastor podcast merry christmas i got some christmas joy pastor
0: <laughs> <laughs> I, just, I just laughing at the way you said that